Blog Talk Radio. PGN Prophetic Grace Network. You are listening to Secrets Revealed. Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. I am Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist. We are going to begin with prayer on PGN Prophetic Grace Network. This is a um, a ministry that focuses on prophecy and the Word of God and prayer for God's people. So we thank God for Randy and Julie Chandler and for the work that they have done and for all the ministers at PGN who pray for and believe uh, with God's people and for those of you listeners, friends and family of PGN and first-time listeners who are truth seekers. So thank you to everyone who is with me and with us today. I want to begin with a prayer for you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is near. Today, we will be reading from the book of Revelation, the earth reaped prophecy in Revelation chapter 14. And so God promises here, to bless you who will listen to the message of the book of Revelation, and I pray that you will obey what it says. So I declare and decree that you are blessed today because you will listen to the message of the book of Revelation, and you will obey what it says for the time is near. What's the time? The time is time A, the second coming of Jesus Christ, time B, the battle of Armageddon, time C, the beginning of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. So the time is near for the second coming of Jesus Christ, and the time is near for Daniel's 70th week, that seven-year period. That will end with the second coming of Jesus Christ and begin with the signing of the confirmation of the covenant described in Daniel chapter 9. But I want to go back to prayer for you and for God's people. If you like prayer for any reason, would you call? Our PGM phone number is one three one nine five two seven. 6027. You can use our PGN phone number to call during the live internet broadcast. So the live internet broadcast for this program, uh, we're on live twice a week, Sundays at 12 noon Texas time and at 9 a.m. Texas time on Thursdays. So we're on Eastern time. That's 1 p.m. on Sundays Eastern time, 
10 a.m. on Thursdays Eastern Time. So we are live right now, and you can use our PGN phone number, 1319-527-6027, to share your prayer request with me, Nicole, your Book of Revelation, research scientist and PGN host for Secrets Revealed. Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. When you call, press 1 to let me know that I should call on you so that we might uh so that we may hear from you uh, live on the public broadcast. If you uh don't feel comfortable on the live public broadcast or maybe you don't have the ability to use uh your phone at work or where you are, you can text in your prayer request using our PGN text number. That PGN text number is 1 Two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. When you text in your prayer request, it won't come directly to me. It will go to Prophet Randy Chandler. When he gets it, he will forward it to me. So you can use our PG and text number. I just want to let you know there's a little bit of a delay, but he always forwards any uh, text that comes in for the PGN host that is hosting the program. So uh, please feel free to text in your prayer request. At one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. Okay, so you can text in your prayer request at any time, twenty four seven. I can respond to your prayer request in a subsequent program. So maybe you're listening because you've downloaded this program from Apple Podcast, and it's not during the live internet broadcast. You can still text in your prayer request. I encourage you to do that. So we are talking about the book of Revelation. We're going to focus on the earth-reaped prophecy. And before we go to it, I want to uh, continue for a moment in prayer for God's people. So, Lord, I just thank you that according to Jeremiah 29, you have plans for every person, plans to give them hope and a future. And, Lord, thank you that no problem is too big for you. No sin is so great that the blood of Jesus cannot pay for that sin debt. The Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that when an individual is in Christ, Christ, pays for your sin debt so you can go free. So if you are saddled with the pain and the weight of sin, maybe maybe you were drafted into war and uh, in your regiment and as a part of doing your duties, you had to take the lives of other people. And maybe... It didn't happen and you were in a plane and you never saw their faces. Maybe it happened in hand-to-hand combat. And maybe their faces haunt you at night. Or maybe you're a medical doctor and uh, before you realized it, you were doing abortion after abortion. And you you have in your mind's eye the picture of uh, that flesh that came out as you were performing the abortion. Maybe... You raped someone or you stole from your boss. Uh, Maybe you say, uh, research scientist, I didn't do any of those things. The worst thing that I 
did was I lied to my mom or my dad or uh, I I used to beat my son because I lost patience with him. You know, whatever is weighing you down due to the shame, the embarrassment, uh, negative emotions. There's so many negative emotions that are possible in this age. You need a savior. I need a savior. We need someone to put us in right standing with God, someone who will remove the stain, the weight, the burden of your sins and my sins forever and ever. And that someone is Jesus Christ, the smartest man that ever lived, the kindest man that ever lived, the only man who lived in a human body that now inhabits a body that will never, ever die. You want to put your trust in this man the smartest man that ever lived. You want to put your trust and faith in this man, the man who illuminated the path to immortality. You want to put your faith, your hope, your trust, your belief, you want to put all your eggs in the basket of Jesus Christ because he is your mediator. He's the only mediator that will put you in right standing with God. God, the creator of this universe, is coming back. After all of his enemies have been made a footstool, so in other words, when all of the enemies of God have been destroyed, what does that mean? It means that when they are in that location, Gehenna, that part of hell that burns with sulfur and brimstone forever and ever. The physicists tell us that matter can't ever be destroyed but only transformed. And so once something has been created, it can't be uncreated, but it can be destroyed in the sense that it is separated from the love of God, from the light of God, from the peace of God, from the pleasure of God, from the passion of God forever and ever. And that separation is eternal damnation. It's not the failure to exist. It's destruction. And destruction is being separated, the creation being separated from its creator. Think about the person that loves you the most. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was your grandma. Maybe it was your best friend. Maybe it was a teacher or a neighbor. Maybe it was your dog or your cat. Think about the person or the animal that loved you the most unconditionally. How much more, how much more does the, does your creator who knit you together in your mother's womb love you? Your creator, God the Father, he loves you so much that he has a plan, a plan that's coming to pass to be reconciled with you and to see you face to face. In Revelation chapter 
22 in the New Earth Prophecy, God promises that for every person who trusts in the Son, Jesus Christ, not only will we be reconciled to God, but he is going to relocate his home in present heaven to the new earth so that we can see him face to face, not in a dream, not in a vision, but tangibly on a physical earth. We're going to see his face. We're going to gaze upon him. He's going to gaze upon us. We're going to be his forever family. Now, if you are walking around, sitting around, laying around, and you have any kind of regrets, any kind of sorrows, shames, uh, embarrassments, uh, I want to invite you to to just receive the words of prayer that I'm going to share with you. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings. And Lord Jesus, we just come to you today. And I pray, Lord, that you would take every negative emotion, take every fear, take every sorrow, take every tear, Lord, every negative emotion, and Lord, swallow it up in your love. Let your yoke, which is easy, your burden is light, let it be upon your people, Lord. Lord, I pray that every person right now, every person hearing my voice at my invitation would cast his cares, cast her cares, not some of them, all of their cares upon you because your word says you promise to care for them. You cannot control another person. You can't control a son or daughter who's out there. In the world, you can't control a mother or father, aunt or uncle. You can't control a, a boss who's doing wrong things. Release that false responsibility. Release that false responsibility and cast your cares unto the Lord. He promises to care for you. And so, Lord, we just pray that your supernatural peace, your supernatural love, let it be felt in every person under the sound of my voice, on the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Let the supernatural power of God be released unto them, Lord. Let every false emotion, let every dart of the enemy come out. Satan wants to attack you and me with negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions, just because you think a thought, that doesn't mean it's your thought. Just because you think a thought, I don't care if you've thought this thought a hundred times, that doesn't mean that's your thought, your personality, your dreams, your wishes, your goals. Some thoughts are God thoughts. Some thoughts are your thoughts, and some thoughts are Satan's thoughts. And right now, I declare and decree that 
every false thought, every thought of the enemy that has entered your mind and your heart and that you have meditated on not knowing that this was a thought of the enemy, I just pull it out in the name of Jesus Christ. Let that thought come out of you. Let it be released. May you recognize that it is a seed from Satan. Throw it out. Throw it out. The Bible says to cast down every wrong thought. So when you hear that thought, you say, that's not my thought. That's the thought of the enemy. I cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Maybe, you know, I don't want to say wrong thoughts, but you know what they are. You know what they are. For every person, it can be a different thought. It might be a thought about food. It might be a thought about a neighbor. It might be a thought about uh, work or uh, it can be all kinds of thoughts. But Satan's thoughts are not your thoughts. The thoughts that we embrace are God-inspired thoughts and God's thoughts. So, Lord, I just pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray for healing in the soul, in the mind, will, and emotions of every listener. Let every listener, Lord, hear your thoughts. Let your voice, Holy Spirit, let it be amplified. Let it be so loud that your people will hear from you today. Let them know your purposes and plans for their lives. Let them hear from you like never before. Thank you, Lord, that when they hear your voice, they will know that they are loved and that they can trust you and that you are with them and for them. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Friend and truth seeker, God is for you and not against you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, what's an abundant life? Well, to start with, it's a life that never ends. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about science fiction, science fact. I'm talking about you transitioning from mortality to immortality. I'm talking about you getting version two of your body. You want to transition from mortality to immortality, if you would do whatever you could in your power so that your mom would never, ever die, so that your dad would never, ever die, so that your son or daughter would never, ever die, how many people would give every penny and every piece of property that they have so that their dog could live forever. So think about the love that a human is capable of having for a dog or cat, a mother or father. How much more is the love that God the creator, how much more is that love for you? God is after you. God wants you to be a member of his forever family. He can't make you do it. You have to choose to accept the invitation to be a part of his forever family. Now, it's his purpose for your life. It's his plan for your life. But you can choose to reject or accept his invitation. 
Now, no evil thing, no thing that has any kind of sin will be permitted on the new earth. Now, what's the point of it all? The Bible has 66 books. In the 66th book, the culminating work of the Bible is the book of Revelation. In the final book, the culminating work of the Bible, the book of Revelation has 12 statements of prophecy. So in the last statement of prophecy, statement of prophecy number 12, in the last book of the Bible, book number 66, is the new earth prophecy. Now what does this prophecy say? In a nutshell, I want to tell you all the key points of this prophecy. Revelation chapter 21 and verses 1 to 5 of 22. So what's the point of it all? If you never, ever think about anything else in the Bible, what is its final message? You know, I've spent, let me, let me stay on track. Let me stay right here. What's the point? What does the New Earth Prophecy say? It says, number one, there will be a new earth and new heavens. The new earth is an improved version of this earth. In the same way that every believer will have an improved version of his or her own body. In other words, a body with no DNA errors. A body that is immortal, a body that will never, ever die, a body that is perfected, glorified. The same type of body that Jesus Christ has, the New Earth Prophecy says that this earth, after all the enemies of God have been taken care of, now it's time to get the earth ready for God the Father to relocate from present heaven. So the new earth prophecy says, listen, at the end of this age, what's going to happen is the old earth will be no more. The new earth will be version two, a better version, a version where nothing will ever die on it. No tree will die, no flower will die. No stream will be uh, polluted. It will be a perfect, a perfected earth, a new earth, an earth that Satan has never, ever set foot on, an earth upon which no demonic spirit has inhabited, an earth upon which no human being has been murdered, no man or woman has been raped, no uh, stealing, no abominations, no worshiping false gods, what God calls prostitution. So in the Bible, you know, when people do tarot, they look at astrology, uh, they worship Moloch, Baal, these other false gods. Do you know the Lord refers to that as prostitution? Prostitution, that's what he refers to it as. So none of those things will have happened on the new earth. So the point of the Bible, in the culminating book and in the culminating statement of prophecy in the culminating book, the new earth prophecy reveals that we're going to a new earth, and there will also be new heavens. New heavens right now, Satan is in heaven, being the accuser of the brethren. We see that in Job. 
So heaven has been defiled. You say, how can heaven be defiled? Heaven is perfect. No, it isn't. Heaven is not perfect because Satan is in heaven presently. We know that. We're going to new heavens as well. Heavens that have not been defiled by Satan or his flunkies, the one-third of the angels that believed his lies and who also will suffer his same fate, which is eternal damnation in the lake of fire. Where's that? Gehenna. What else does the new earth prophecy say? It says that on the new earth there will be no more death, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more mourning. It says that on the new earth, there will be a city, a specific city in a specific location where both Jesus Christ and God the Father will live. That city is called Jerusalem, but like New York, it'll be called New Jerusalem. Well, why is it new? Because it's Jerusalem on the new earth. So I don't know if we're going to have a new United States, new Canada, new Australia, new Zurich. I have no idea. But in the new earth prophecy, it identifies the location on the new earth where Jesus Christ and the Father will live. And it's identified as new Jerusalem. And we're told in the book of Revelation that the city has been created. So the city has been created, and the city is going to descend from heaven and merge onto the new earth. How about that? God is so excited about where he's going to live and where members of the royal race are going to live that He's not waiting to build that thing. The city has been built, and at the appointed time, a time known to God the Father, that city, just like a beautiful dress that has been created, a beautiful suit that has been created for you, it's ready, but you just haven't received it yet, this city, the New Jerusalem, It's ready to come, but we haven't received it yet. Why not? Because we're on the old earth. This is old earth. This is old earth. But the new earth is coming. What else do we know about the new earth? On the new earth, only the members of the forever family of God, and talking about human beings, only members of the royal race, Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be permitted to live on the new earth. How do we know that? The new earth comes after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ. So the millennial reign is a transition period. But on this new earth, again, we're talking about the culminating prophecy in the culminating book of the Bible how, do, how does it all end? What happens after the end of time when we're in what Irvin Baxter referred to as eternity future? Some translations of the Bible refers to it as the eternities of eternities at the point when, you know, you're not 
189 or 102 or, you know, 982 years old. I think in the oldest person that lived in the Bible, I think it was Methuselah. Text me if that's not right. Um, but, you know, to live a long time in uh, early days of the earth was to live for 800, 900 years. But in eternity future, we're, we're beyond timekeeping. We're in eternity future. We're after the end of time. There, there, there's just eternity. And in eternity, every human being that has ever lived will either be living eternal life in a tangible body on the new earth or experiencing eternal damnation but still alive experiencing eternal damnation at Gehenna. They'll be dwelling in Gehenna, in that part of hell that has the fiery lake that burns with brimstone and sulfur forever and ever. So they will not be permitted to get on, uh, to go to the new earth. It's kind of like when you, when you go to the airport and you want to take a flight, you have to have a ticket. And that ticket, it, it can't have my name on it or even your husband or wife's name on it. It has to have your name on it. Your name. First, middle, last name. Maybe you just have a first and last name. Maybe you're one of these people, you have four or five names. Your name, whatever it is, must be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Only those individuals whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be permitted to live on the new earth. Now, what else does it say in the prophecy? Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be permitted to live on the new earth. The new earth is forever and ever. Every member of the royal race who lives on the new earth will have the true mark, not the mark of the beast, but the mark of God on his or her forehead. And every person who lives on the new earth will get to see his face. We'll get to see his face. So I'm going to pause there, but um, we're talking about the book of Revelation. For this program, if you commit to listening for a year, I believe you will understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. There are 12 statements of prophecy. 12 statements of prophecy documentaries, documentaries about the period leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Three of those 12 documentaries focus on what happens after the second coming of Jesus Christ. Documentary, uh, that's not true, four. Let's say it this way. Three of the 12 documentaries focus on what happens after the Battle of Armageddon. In other words, after Jesus Christ has fought and won the war to, the war to end all wars. Um, so how we're doing that this year is every month there's a focus on one of the 12 statements of prophecy in the book of Revelation and going in the order that they appear. So the first one is the seven seals prophecy. So that's what we talked about 
on every program in January. Then in February, the seven trumpets prophecy. In March, the 1,260 days prophecy. In April, the 666 antichrist prophecy. In uh, May, the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. And now it's June, so we're talking about the earth reaped prophecy because that's the sixth documentary in the book of Revelation. So why am I saying documentary and then sometimes I'm saying statements of prophecy? When John was called up to heaven, that's in Revelation chapter 4, he was shown moving pictures, which he referred to as visions. Today, in our vernacular, we would refer to those uh, moving pictures that he was shown as movies. So there are different kinds of movies. There are rom-coms. There are uh, thrillers, their comedies, uh, the list goes on and on. One very specific kind of movie is a documentary. So th- this is the type of movie that focuses on presenting facts. So the type of movie that John the Revelator was shown, the moving pictures, it's documentary. That's the type of movie that John the Revelator was shown. And he was shown these documentaries consecutively, so one after the other, kind of like if you came over uh, you came over here and we're watching movies together first um, you know let's say it's a Tom Hanks marathon, Splash comes on, then uh, Forrest Gump comes on, uh, then after that we're watching big, and then after that um You've Got Mail comes on, and and then it's just one Tom Hanks movie after another. Uh, But we would perceive that, okay, now we've gone to a new movie. So when you look at the book of Revelation, it's like that. There are 12 documentaries, except we don't get to see, at least right now, the documentaries, the, the visual, the actual Uh, moving pictures that John the Revelator was shown, he was tasked with recording in words what he was shown. So we're actually watching documentaries, but we use his words to allow us to see what he saw, what he was shown. So today we're going to hear the Earth Reaped documentary, also We could refer to this as the earth reap statement of prophecy. It begins like all of the documentaries in the book of Revelation. There's a movie trailer in professional writing. We call that an abstract. So um, when you create, uh, when you create nonfiction reports that are very complex, In the Western world, we have a specific format, whether you're in Canada, the U.S., uh, Great Britain, Ireland, wherever you are, we all follow this format. Um, And that format is to present what we call the abstract first, and then that's followed by the full report. Interestingly, uh, today when we watch movies, directors and uh, Producers, they want us to see their movies, and so they do the same thing that writers do. 
which is that they create an abstract, but they call it a trailer. And they create this trailer so that we can essentially have a summary of what's going to happen in a larger work. We have context for it. We have a summary. We know who the key players, the key conflicts. We, we know kind of the key point of it, although we don't have the exciting details. And so when you look at the book of Revelation, we have that same thing. So I want to go with you first to the movie in its entirety. Then we'll come back to hear the abstract. So the New Earth Prophecy is Revelation 14, verses 6 to 20. Verses 6 to 20. And the full report includes verses 14 to 20. So, let's hear it. The full report of the Earth Reaped Prophecy, the Earth Reaped Documentary. So, where are we in time? Where we are in time is... We're at the end of Daniel's 70th week. Jesus Christ is here in our atmosphere. He's sitting on a cloud in our atmosphere. He's visible. We can see him with our naked eye. And that means that it's time for the first resurrection. It's time for those who are resting in heaven to put on their new earth suit. It means that their bodies, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, are going to rise from the grave. And as a soul and spirit, two in one, they're going to descend from heaven, having been gathered up from all the four corners of heaven as described in Matthew chapter 24. They've been gathered up by the angels, and now they have descended from heaven, and they have put on their new glorified, perfected bodies. And they have... Uh, so they descend from heaven. What, what does that mean? Two in one. Their soul and spirit. They had perfect continuity of life. They're just waiting. They're waiting. According to uh, Revelation chapter five, chapter five and six, uh, they ask, "How much longer, Jesus?" And Jesus tells them, uh, "You have to wait a little while longer. Wait a little while longer till those who are also going to uh, be martyred during the great tribulation until that happens." So finally, that day has come. That's where we are in this prophecy. They have put on their new earth suit, their perfected glorified bodies. Now Jesus is sitting on the cloud. It's time for the second part of the harvest. What's that? So in 1 Corinthians, it says that there's a secret. And the secret is, is that not everyone is going to die. We say, wait a minute, the Bible says it's appointed, uh, it's appointed for every man to, to die. Well, 
in First Corinthians, we're told that there's a secret. And that secret is that not everyone is going to fall asleep. That those believers, those who are in Christ, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and who are here at the precise hour and minute that Jesus returns, who have not succumbed to death as a result of living in a mortal body, those of us who have not succumbed to death, that we will transition in the blink of an eye from mortality to immortality. What does that mean? Our DNA errors will be fixed. There's a movie called Elysium. There's a movie called Elysium. Uh, Matt, what's his name? The guy who was in Goodwill Hunting. The star of Goodwill Hunting, I think his name is Matt. It's not, maybe it's Matt. I can't think of his name right this second. But that guy is the star of this movie called Elysium. And in this movie Elysium, there's a machine. And if you can get to this machine and lay on it, whatever is wrong with your body, whatever is wrong with your body, this machine will go over it, and in seconds, you'll be made whole. Now, that's science fiction. The Bible is science fact. The Bible says, in going back to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, after all the people in heaven transition from their mortal body to their immortal body, excuse me, after they transition, uh, so in other words, their mortal bodies have been decomposing, right? Uh, their mortal bodies have been, somebody texted me, the, Matt Damon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl Paul. Matt Damon started in Elysium. And in Elysium, uh, if you could get to this machine, it's really hard to get to this machine. Uh, only people who lived in a certain area could get to it. But hallelujah, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're uh, Canadian or African or American or uh, Mexican, uh, whatever you are, whatever your station is in life, you have the same access to Jesus Christ as the President of the United States, as the King of England, as uh, the Empress or Emperor of Japan. No person has greater access to Jesus Christ than you. We all have access to Jesus Christ. What does that mean? For those of us who are here at the time of his second coming, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we rise up second. Second. So what does that mean? We're standing. Let's say you're in bed, so you're, you're resting and sleeping. Or maybe you're in the kitchen, you're standing up. Maybe you're getting your hair done. I don't know what you're doing. Whatever you're doing in the blink of an eye, in other words, in uh, seconds, perhaps milliseconds, just like they got in that machine and everything wrong with their body was corrected by the power of God, through the science of God, through the healing supernatural power of God, every error in your body, every error in your genetic code will be corrected. Mortality is the result of the curse. Death is not your portion. God never, ever intended for you and I to dwell in a mortal body. It's his perfect plan. It's his will. It's his promise. 
for those who wish to cooperate, that you will transition from your mortal body to your immortal body. So where are we in this earth reap prophecy? All of us who are here at the time of the second coming, this is where this prophecy starts. So part two of the harvest is all of the individuals on the earth at the time of the second coming. So when we hear, when we go into this documentary, Jesus Christ is sitting on the clouds. The others have already risen up, so, you know, your grandmother, your grandfather, your mother, your sister, your brother, your son, your daughter, your neighbor, your boss, all who died in Christ, they have already risen up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. Now, he's sitting on the cloud. We are here, and this documentary starts with us. It starts with us. Let's hear it. The Earth Reap Prophecy Revelation Chapter 14, verse 14, 14, 14, 14, 14, hallelujah, that's us, here it is. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. Now, to unlock the secrets of the book of Revelation, you have to read it and read other prophecies uh, in the Bible, but how do we know who someone like the Son of Man is? Is Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 1, he's identified and referred to as someone like the Son of Man. So this is a secret. I'm not going to go there now just due to time constraints, but this is Jesus Christ. If you want the proof of that, uh, it's in the formal introduction, verses 9 to the end of the chapter in chapter 1. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. So here we are. Where are we in time in this earth reap prophecy when we go to the actual full documentary? It's time A2, time A1, the second coming. At time A1, the bodies rise from the grave, and those believers put their new bodies on, they rise up. At time A2, those of us who are here on the earth, we rise up second. We're at time A2. So he had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud. Now remember, this is the angel the angel's talking to Jesus Christ. Now, why does he have a sharp sickle in his hand? The earth, the earth is, it's a field. Now, I was born in a major urban city. Uh, I went from the hospital to, my, my parents lived in DuPont Circle. That's like a major, uh, that's like the city part of the city. So what I'm telling you is I really don't have a connection to, like, nature stuff and to farming or harvest or something like that. But when we look at the Bible, we have to understand that a lot of these metaphors use uh, farming to help us understand. So when it says he had a sickle, a sickle is used to gather a crop up. And so the crop refers to the bounty the crop refers to what you want to get as a result of all your hard work as a farmer. You're planting, you're, you're sowing, you're watering, 
um, you're, you know, planting and sowing, then you're watering, and then you're, you're believing to get this crop, and the crop represents your harvest. And so when it's time for the harvest to come in, when the crop is ripe, you're going to reap your harvest. You need the sickle to gather it up. So Jesus Christ, I mean, this is it. This is it. This is it. He's getting his forever family. It's time time A1. Time A1 was a slam dunk. Now it's time A2. Time A2 is time for me and you, every believer on the earth, to transition from mortality to immortality. What happens? Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. Hallelujah. This is it. You're not going to have any more pain in your knees. Your back is going to straighten up. Your hair is going to be perfect. Your vision is going to be perfect. That one leg you have that's shorter than the other is going to grow back. Maybe you have, maybe you don't have any legs. You've been wishing that you could run like the wind. Here it is. This is the timing of that God promises. This is a documentary. This is a documentary that is telling us facts. Facts in our future. Facts in the future. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Hallelujah. The whole earth was harvested. So Revelation 14, chapter 14, 14 to 16, that's time A2. What's time A? Second coming of Jesus Christ. Time A1. The bodies rise from the grave. Some of the bodies, you know, the, the cells are in the sea. Some of them it's in the earth. Wherever those uh, molecules are they are reconstituted and they are coded for the specific individual who previously inhabited that body the person like a magnet goes to where his or her body is and they put on that body they rise up that's time a one but we're talking about right now time a two time a two so maybe you're in bed, and, and, and all of a sudden you transition from mortality to immortality, and you rise. You start to rise up. Maybe you're making dinner. The Bible says one woman's uh, they're, they're in the field. Two women are are in the field. They're doing some kind of activity. One rises up, the other one doesn't. We say, but wouldn't a loving God have everybody transition from mortality to immortality? Not everyone's eligible. Not everyone's eligible. If there, if a person still has evil, sin debt, sin debt that has not been paid for, if they owe that sin debt, that makes them ineligible. But God is saying, listen, I'm trying to draft you to my team. Be due to the sins of Adam and Eve, you were born on Team Satan. However, once you reach the age of accountability, I'm holding you responsible for making a decision. Are you team Jesus or team Satan? When you have been successfully drafted to the winning team, that means that you will participate in the harvest. 
You want to have your feet rise up. Now, listen, when uh, when they won, I think the Denver Nuggets won, and I saw that young man, he, uh, he'd had a horrible injury, and some people said, ah, oh, he'll never come back. But they, they just stuck with him. They kept paying him, even though he missed a lot of games. I think he was out a season and a half. Then he came back, and somehow, almost supernaturally, they, they made it. They, they were not thought to make it, but they made it to uh, the playoffs, and then they, they won. They won this year. Do you know when they won, he fell to his knees, and he, he pulled up his jersey to the tears begin to stream from his eyes when he saw that he went from being, he went from nobody believing in him. Nobody believed in him. They were saying he was through, but they just kept him on the team anyway. One or two people believed in him. Friend, maybe nobody believes in you today. Maybe Jesus Christ and your friend, the research scientist talking to you right now, maybe we're the only two people who believe in you. You are recruited for the draft of the winning team. I need you to know. I need you to know that the playoffs are coming. It's only two teams in the playoffs. You cannot sit on the bench. Two teams. Every person is either on Team Jesus or Team Satan. And I'm telling you, I read the end of the book. I want you to go there and read the end of the book with me, the New Earth Prophecy, Revelation chapter 21 and 22. If you don't read anything else in the Bible, would you please consider reading that? You might say, well, I'm not a Christian. Listen, the Bible is a book of truth. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're an atheist or a Muslim or a Hindu, uh, maybe Santeria, Yoruba, priestess, uh, whatever. The Bible is a book of secrets. It's the book for truth seekers. Anyone can read it and should read it. Now, if you are a truth seeker, would you go to the culminating the culminating documentary in the culminating book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21 and 22, to see that new earth prophecy, the winning team goes to someplace better than the White House. Now, listen, if I was invited along with the Denver Nuggets to go to the White House, I'd be happy to go. I'd be happy to go. I think they talked about uh, some team went and they had a meal that they said it was great. Uh talked about the the food is great, you know, I would love to uh, be invited to the White House and to visit, but how much better, how much better is the new earth where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more mourning, no more grief, no more death. Every friend that you make on the new earth will be with you forever. Every relative that you've ever had, Stepmother, stepfather, stepbrother, aunt, uncle, all your uh, all your relatives by marriage, all your relatives by blood who are in Christ will be there with you for 
ever. You'll have all the time in the world to study physics. You'll have all the time in the world to play uh, games. You'll have all the time in the world to dance. You'll have all the time in the world to create beautiful music, to make mixes that you've never made. You haven't made your best dessert. You haven't written your best paper because you, you don't have your best brain yet. You don't have your best body yet. You have yet to see the face of your creator. But friend and truth seeker, here, Revelation 14, time A2, time A2. Now, let's continue in this. Now, we're going to the rest of the movie, Revelation 14, 17 to 20. What else is this documentary about? Now, at the time of the second coming, after the believers rise from their graves, their bodies rise, and then they put those new bodies on, those of us who were here, we transition to our new bodies. We all rise up to meet Jesus in the clouds. And I just feel that, let me, let me read to you from 1 Thessalonians, because you might be saying, uh, you might be saying, um, Someone might be saying, I've never heard about this part where you're talking about people uh, people rising from the graves. Let's hear this. First Thessalonians 15, I just want you to hear about time A1 and time A2 that we just talked about. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living... When the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Now, did you just hear that? So those of us who are here that the earth reap prophecy is talking about, we're not going to meet Jesus ahead of those people who are already in heaven. There's an order, time A1 and time A2. Now, I'm just calling it time A1 and time A2, okay, just so that it's orderly um, in, in terms of us talking about it. So, it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, again, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Okay, so that's time A1. Now, here's time A2, verse 17 of First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So in that earth reap prophecy, you just heard it. Jesus Christ is sitting on that cloud. We transition from mortality to immortality. We rise up to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. Now, what else happens in the earth reap prophecy? So this is a documentary. Now, remember, in documentaries, uh, they're cut scenes, right? So if we want to know what happens over a 24-hour period in a 60-minute documentary, we're not going to watch a 24-hour documentary. We're going to watch a 60-minute documentary, right? So some scenes are going to be cut. Now we're going to a new scene. Now we're going to a new scene. In this next scene, you're about to hear what, a, what else about uh, 
the crop here on the earth. What about those people who have not received Jesus? What about those people who do not have their ticket for the new earth? Their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And because their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that means that they failed to transition from mortality to immortality. They failed to get their perfected, glorified bodies that they had the ability to receive, but for whatever reasons, uh, they they chose uh, not to cooperate with God. Now, we're going to the part of the documentary where it tells us about those individuals who failed to make the resurrection, the first resurrection, and who are in the armies are in the armies led by the Antichrist. So remember at the beginning of our time together today I said time A is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Time B is the battle of Armageddon. Time C is the beginning of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. Okay, so we're leaving time A. There's more that we could discuss in time A, right? There's more we could discuss, but now we're going to go to time B. In this specific prophecy, all the details of time B are not given. More details about the Battle of Armageddon are provided elsewhere in the book of Revelation and specifically in the Marriage Supper prophecy, Revelation chapter 19. But we do have a specific scene we're about to hear in this documentary about time B. What's time B? The Battle of Armageddon. So what happens to those people participating in the Battle of Armageddon? So Jesus Christ is making decisions about humanity. What's going to happen to the people on this earth when he comes back? Well, one decision is everybody who's in Christ You're rising up to meet me in the air. You're going to put on a body just like the one I have, a body that allows you to live forever and ever, a body that will never die. Another decision that Jesus will make is that he will decide that every person who has chosen to be in the armies led by the Antichrist, 100% of those individuals, will have taken the mark of the beast, and 100% of them are going to die by the sword that comes out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. It's in Revelation 19. He is going to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. What does that mean? The Antichrist and his armies, they've come to take out the 144,000 Jews that remain. Jesus comes to take out those who came to take out them. So somebody's got to die, and it's not going to be Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Jesus Christ is alive and forevermore. It's going to be the Antichrist, the false prophet, and those in the armies. Now, when those who have taken the mark of the beast, and they're there in the armies led by the Antichrist, when they die by the sword that comes from the mouth of Jesus Christ, it's So many of them in the armies, so different countries will have sent troops to participate 
in um, this invasion of Jerusalem. They're going to travel the path of the Euphrates River, which at that point will have dried up. They're going to enter Jerusalem. When they're at that precise location, uh, known by God, determined by God where he wants to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon, the two-edged sword is going to come from his mouth. After the harvest, then Jesus Christ descends. Uh, he, he descends on a white horse with the armies of heaven. There's a sword that comes out of his mouth. A hundred percent of these people, the enemies, human beings who have taken the mark of the beast, they're letting the Antichrist tell them what to do. They're there to take out the Jews who remain. A hundred percent of them will be killed. Killed by who? Not by the United States. Not by Canada, not by, they're going to be killed by Jesus Christ himself. It's in Revelation chapter 19. When they are killed, there will be so many of them that it's going to create a river of blood that's 180 miles long. You say, that's crazy. That is nuts. Man, it's not nuts. It's true. Not nuts. It's true. Let's hear it. Let's hear this part of the documentary. Revelation chapter 7, um, chapter 14, we're going to continue right where we are. So we heard Revelation chapter 14 to 16. Now we're going to hear what else this documentary is about. So this is all about the harvest on the earth. What happens at the time of the second coming? Remember, there's time A, time B, time C. Now we're at time B. Here it is. After that. Another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, who had power to destroy with fire, came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. Let's pause there for a second. Now, remember, swinging the sickle means something is about to happen to human beings. At the time of the second coming, it's decision time. It's decision time. So, in other words, it's time for the decisions of God to reflect reality in real time. Now, these decisions have been made, and they're recorded in the Bible for every truth seeker to know. Decision time meets Reality. It's decision time. The decisions of God now reflect in real time. Now, I ought to line up my decisions with the decisions God has made. So God has decided that those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life get to transition from mortality to immortality, and those whose name isn't written there don't. And any person can get his or her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life by following Acts 2.38. You don't need uh, for your last name to be Biden or Trump or, you know, throw in any name. Uh, any person, you can be the, the, from the worst family that ever was. Maybe say every person in my family is in jail. Does it matter, friend? You might say, I'm, I'm half a million dollars in debt. Does it matter? Does it matter? You might say, you don't know the sins that I've committed. I had 18 abortions or I murdered my wife or I stole from my job. I would never. Listen, 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 listen. No number of sins in no 
sin, the, the, no matter the magnitude. So the, let's say sin exists on a, a magnitude scale of 1 to 100. Whether a sin has a magnitude of 1, let's say somebody stole a piece of candy that's, you know, 5 cents, and or a magnitude of 100, a person exterminated 6 million people, right? Both of those sins, if that debt is not paid for, disqualify someone from having his or her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So to be honest with you, and this is really hard for our human brains to comprehend, but God requires us to be in right standing with him. So whether your sins are comparable to those of Hitler or whether they're comparable to those of Mother Teresa, Either way, you need a mediator. You need that sin debt paid for, and Jesus Christ has paid for it. Just choose to follow Acts 2.38. Go to mediation, friend. Go to mediation. You'll be fine. You'll participate. Now, these individuals we're about to hear about, they are part of the harvest, but instead of them being part of earth's crop, they're part of the clusters of grapes. And what does it say? They're ripe for judgment. Who's ripe for judgment? Every person who hasn't already been to mediation. So if you've been to court and your case has been heard, then, you know, it's already settled. So if you've been to mediation and the mediation was successful, there's no longer a case against you, right? But... If there, if somebody still has a case against you, that means you you require judgment. So every person who takes the mark of the beast has failed to go to mediation. What does that mean? God has a case against them. You say, well, I haven't taken the mark of the beast. God still has a case against you unless you have been to mediation by following Acts 2.38. So staying where we are right here. These individuals, it says they are ripe for judgment, but who are they? It's the clusters of grapes that are going to participate in the great wine press. Now, I'm going to say this to you due to time constraints. uh, I'll just have to reference where it is in the Bible. The wine press is the metaphor for God's strategy for winning the battle of Armageddon. So in other words, Every wrong thing is going to be everything that the enemy of God that he wants to uh, put to death is going to be put to death at the Battle of Armageddon during that timing. And those individuals and those creatures owned by those individuals, they go into the wine press and the human beings that are Team Satan They are referred to as clusters of grapes. So God is going to squeeze them, and when he squeezes them with everything he has, they are going to succumb to the mortality that defines them, and they will will die at the hands of Jesus Christ. Now let's hear about it. Verses 17 to 20, this is the end of the Earth Reap documentary. It says, after that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. 
So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city. What city is that? Jerusalem. And blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. That is the end of the documentary of the Earth Reap Prophecy. So you see in the full documentary, uh, verses 14 to 20, it talks about two groups. The harvest with respect to those who are here on the earth at the time of the second coming who are in Christ and the harvest with respect to those who are in the armies of the Antichrist, the armies led by the Antichrist at the Battle of Armageddon. Now, there are 12 documentaries, remember, 12 documentaries in the book of Revelation. Sometimes people hear a specific documentary and they're like, where am I in this, right? Where am I in this? So if somebody has already died and that person is in heaven, or let's say somebody's going to die next week, they aren't specifically noted in this documentary, but they're elsewhere. So uh, we want to understand that there's a reason why there are 12 documentaries. These documentaries are very specific and focus on things that God wants us to necessarily understand. What does this mean? Make sure you don't take the mark of the beast so that at time A2, you rise up to meet Jesus Christ. It also means that if you are in one of these countries that's a part of the ten-nation alliance described in Revelation 13, Number one, don't take the mark of the beast. And if you do take the mark of the beast, don't get in their armies. Don't get in the Russian army. Don't get in the Ethiopian army. Don't get in the Libyan army. I could go on. It's described in uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah and elsewhere. These nations are going to have armies that they allow to uh, participate uh, under the leadership of the Antichrist in the Battle of Armageddon, and 100% of those individuals uh, 100% of those individuals will be killed at the hands of Jesus Christ. I want to go there. I want to go there now. Let let me say for the record, I am, I am, I am anti-war. I am anti-war. However, I don't decide. Uh, God doesn't consult me about his decisions on the Battle of Armageddon. I don't believe he's consulting you about his decisions about the Battle of Armageddon. I can't say. I can just share. He's not consulting me about his decisions about the Battle of Armageddon. God has decided that he is going to fight a war waged in righteousness. So we're told in Revelation 19 that the Battle of Armageddon is a war waged in righteousness, and we're also advised in the book of Revelation that there will never, ever be another war on this present earth or on the new earth after this war. So if you're like me and you're anti-war, you can be excited about the Battle of Armageddon because it's the last war, you know, in uh, people thought that by, by creating the United Nations, uh, but first creating the League of Nations, then the United Nations, and all these things that we do to uh, attempt to get peace on earth, I, I have to say that the Bible tells us that 
human beings that we are incapable of ruling ourselves. We require the government of Jesus Christ in order to have peace. Who's Jesus Christ? He's the Prince of Peace. He's the wonderful counselor. When his government established, the governments of the nations of the world will be put down. Most of the nations will continue, but under the government of Jesus Christ. It says he will mediate the disputes of nations. Okay, let's stay where we are. I want to um, end with sharing a little bit more about the wine press. So we heard at the end of the prophecy, the end of the documentary, about those 180 miles of blood. And you might say, it just happened so fast in those verses. How can you be sure? If you look at the marriage suffer prophecy, Revelation 19, verses 6 to 21, I want to share with you uh, a little bit about where it talks about this verse 15 of chapter 19 uh, says the armies of heaven verse 14 the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses who's that jesus christ from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron rod now when's he going to rule them after he fights and wins the battle of armageddon then it says, he will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. When is, when is he going to do that? Right now at time B. At the Battle of Armageddon, he releases the fierce wrath of God. Then it says in verse 16, on his robe at his side was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Now, I have a close relative who likes to say things like, well, Jesus is love. And I hear that all the time. Jesus is love, but Jesus is also justice. It is unjust to have a world where men and women are raped, when children, where children are aborted, where murderers go free and liars spread their lies as much as they can, as often as they want to, and they do it from every social media platform they can get their hands on. This is, this is wrong. This is unfair. People have committed horrible sins, egregious acts of violence uh, and, and more, and somehow so many seem to get away with it. But you know what? They won't get away with it. So some, for our crimes, there's repentance, hallelujah, the blood of Jesus. But there are others who have never repented they've never turned their back on their wrong deeds their wrong acts instead they just grow with the sin and the evil and the hatred and the pain that they uh bring upon others and even this earth that's coming to an end that's coming to an end when when jesus christ fights and wins the battle of armageddon so let's hear it Here's the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation 19, verse 19, 1919. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. So what's this that John the Revelator was shown in this documentary? The Antichrist, that's the beast, and the kings of the world and their armies, they're gathered together where? In Israel. 
And what does it say they're gathered together to do? To fight against the one sitting on the horse and his, his army. So they're gathered together there to fight against Jesus Christ. Not to sing Kumbaya with Jesus Christ. Not to worship Jesus Christ. Not to repent in front of Jesus Christ. Not to make peace with Jesus Christ. Not to ally with Jesus Christ. Right? So they are there. It says to fight against. Friend and truth seeker, do you know that there are some people, they don't want peace. They want world domination. They want to be God. They want to be worshipped. They want to assert their power over you and over me. They don't want to cooperate against God, cooperate with God. They want to uh, assert the plans of Satan. So here are the people who have rejected God, the, those who are rebellious in every way. Now what happens? Verse 20 says, and the beast was captured, the Antichrist is captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Then let's go to verse 21. Their entire army was killed. Let me say that again. Their entire army was killed. Now, why do we need that information? We already heard that this is the wine press, the Battle of Armageddon in Revelation 19. Their entire army was killed. That is why we have the report in the Earth Reap prophecy that there are 180 mouths of blood. Why? Because there are millions of people that will be in the army. It says their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So the, they weren't killed by the, uh, the troops of Israel or the troops of the United States or the troops of Canada. No, they're killed by the sword, let's hear it again, that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. Who is that? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God manifest in the flesh. So you might say, Jesus is love. He would never, ever do that. Yes, he, yes, he would and he will. It's documented in the Bible over and over again. It says on that day, on that day. When you look uh, in the books of the minor prophets uh, over and over again, it says, and on that day, on that day, what day is that? Time B, the day of the Battle of Armageddon. He's looking forward to it. Frankly, I'm looking forward to it. Why? There'll never, ever be another war again. And it says uh, in Isaiah, we're going to, I think it's in Isaiah, we're going to take all of the weapons and uh, turn them into other utensils to use, and that men will learn war no more. You know, people go to uh, special military academies so they can learn war. It's a big deal if you can get into certain military academies. And, um, you know, we learn war. We want to defend our nation. We want to attempt to make sure peace is happening on the earth. But, friend, Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. When he fights and wins the battle of Armageddon, we will learn war no more. Hallelujah. It says their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. You say, oh, that's gross. Well, there are 180 miles of blood filled with human and animal uh, bodies. That's God's cleanup plan. That's God's cleanup plan. So that is the Earth Week prophecy. We heard the full documentary. I want to share with you also 
from Revelation 14, just so you know. And the, by the way, the one-page study notes are available at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. The one-page study notes are there. Um, you can always access those. Uh, the full prophecy, so the full earth reap prophecy is Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14, verses 6 to 20. So we heard verses 14 to 20 today. Those, That's the full documentary. The movie trailer gives context and highlights uh, some of the key points, and it, and it shares a larger context. Um, so Revelation 14, verses 6 to 13, I don't want to focus on those today, um, but when you think about it, we understand this. Time A is the second coming of Jesus Christ, and there's the harvest. If you've been listening to the program, you know that there are three parts of the harvest. The first part, time A1, those who are in heaven, their new immortal bodies rise up. They put those on. Time A2, those of us who are here and who are in Christ, we rise up. Time A3, the 144,000 who represent all Israel at that time. They are the third and final part of the harvest. Time B is the battle of Armageddon. Time C is the beginning of the government of Jesus Christ on this earth. Uh, many things happen with respect to time B. I want to ask you, would you consider in July making sure that you're with us? We're going to be talking about the seven plagues prophecy revelation chapters 15 and 16 the wrath of god culminates with the battle of armageddon that's part of the seventh and final plague but there's six more things that happen before then we're going to talk about them each one uh, on this program in july so i invite you to be with me i invite you to be with me and with us on thursday morning We'll be here at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. Texas Time. And next Sunday, we'll be starting uh, in the month of July talking about the seven plagues prophecy. Thank you so much for being with me and with us. I encourage you, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.